why aren't my boys fully healed yet? And when is this going to be easier? Why did you sign us up for this, God? Is there not an easier way? I'm Carla Williams with City on a Hill. This is another episode in our Stories of Grace podcast series in connection with the Grace's Greater Book Study. We as Christians think we believe in God's grace. We think we understand that it covers sin, doubts, and failures. We want to accept that His grace is greater than our big situations too. But then daily life happens and we forget about grace. We try to do things on our own. We think we have to be strong enough on our own. And as we fall over and over, God's grace is constant, picking us up, dusting us off, and helping us try again. Today's guest is living in this reality. So parenting is really hard. (laughs) It's really hard. And I think all parents will tell you that they mess up every single day. We mess up every single day for sure, my husband and I. But I don't know if it's different for us. That's my guest, Renee. She owns her own public relations and graphic design business, which is already a lot. But she and her husband are also the parents to two boys. Solomon is 13. Malachi is three. Both are adopted from Ethiopia, which is not what Renee ever expected. About a year into marriage, my husband and I both had been praying about children. We just didn't know that we had both been praying about children. I just assumed I was praying about children the old-fashioned, go to the hospital, have them, that kind of way. But my husband had been praying about adoption. So when we both figured it out that we were both praying about children, but just praying about them in different ways, we had to sit down and talk about it. And my husband had really been led to international adoption. And so I just really had to think about it and follow his heart. And I'm really glad that I did. So Renee and her husband went through the long process to adopt from Ethiopia, which took about four years to bring both boys home. They had lots of paperwork, government fingerprints, fees, home interviews, transracial studies, and more to complete. They also had to wait to be matched with a child, and that took a long time. Finally, they were on the waiting list for a child as young as possible. They were expecting a baby or toddler, but God had a different plan. So from time to time, our agency would put out Facebook messages or emails about children on the wait list that didn't have a family matched with them because there wasn't a family who said they would take those parameters, whether it be age or special need or whatever. Our oldest son was a waiting child for no other reason than he was nine years old. And that was it. He was healthy. There was nothing else going on. He was just nine years old. And so when we read about him, My husband and I just looked at each other and said, well, why shouldn't we consider this? In 2013, despite all their expectations for how their family would form, they brought their first son, nine-year-old Solomon, home. And through God's great grace, he thrived in their care. Yeah, Solomon's transition has been fantastic. I think with every child who goes through some sort of trauma early on, there's going to be bumps and hiccups along the road. But for our oldest son, it's been pretty steady, meaning we've had some issues that we've had to work through naturally, but he attached to us very, very well right away. He's picking up on English greats. You wouldn't know that there's anything different about him unless you hear his accent. When they were ready to add to their family, Renee and her husband wanted to adopt again from Ethiopia. This time, they felt like they were prepared to bring home another older child. Again, God's plans were different. 
this time around, we thought we were going to adopt another older boy because we told our agency, we've been there, we've done this, we feel comfortable with this. Why not? If there are older children who still need families, we feel like we've got a good grip on how to get them adjusted. That's what we had requested. And then we get a phone call and it's our social worker and she texts me a picture and it's of this little baby, 14 month old little boy. And I said, what's this picture? What am I looking at? And she goes, he's yours. And I said, what? (laughs) All right, okay. And so that just totally flipped us upside down because it wasn't what we were expecting yet again. And it's been great. In 2015, they brought home Malachi, who was only two years old. Because of the trauma he'd experienced before his adoption, his transition was not as easy. But God's grace has been overwhelming. He's three now, but because of his story, his attachment to me has been different. So he constantly needs mom and he's constantly fearful of mom leaving him or not coming back. I think that I don't often have patience for that because I'm type A, I own my own business, I like to get things done. And so I don't, as often as I should, just sit down and understand that. You know, I've had to pray a lot, God, in spite of me, in spite of my impatience with this situation, please heal his heart. And we're slowly but surely seeing signs of him recovering from the trauma that he's been through. And so that's kind of a living, breathing example every day of God's grace and Him working in spite of my shortcomings. God's grace is not just helping with Malachi, though. It's showing up in each day as they learn to parent two boys with painful pasts. But for us with our adopted children, there's a constant tension and dynamic of what's adoption-related and what's just kid-related. And so I, as the mom, put a lot of pressure on myself to make sure I'm protecting their little hearts because their little hearts have been through so much already. So in doing that, I mess up a lot. I mess up a whole lot. Every day I have to say, God, I have fallen short once again. Can you just lift me back up? Can you help me get through this? Because there's there's no other way other than accepting His grace. As Renee and her husband learn to be the parents their boys need, they also find themselves navigating other topics they didn't expect. For instance, they are now the parents of a teenaged African-American boy. As race discussions and tensions rage through the nation, they're walking a path with a unique perspective. It's challenging and emotional mm-hmm. a lot. You know, I'm Casper the Ghost White, right? And before my boys, I didn't have a reason to understand racial tension necessarily. I didn't. I was ignorant to it because I'm white and I live a white life. And most of my friends at the time were white. And so now that we're at where we're at, Our world's a lot more diverse. Our inner circle is a lot more diverse. I have a heightened sense of awareness to everything that's going on. And my heart breaks frequently because my oldest son is 13 and we have to have conversations with him I never imagined having to have with my teenage son. And so it's difficult. 
And what's even more difficult is that other Christian friends around them can't understand how tense and turbulent the situation really is. It's a lonely and excruciating battle to constantly fight. But Renee has learned some important advice to help Christians who want to understand better. Yeah, listen. Just sit down and listen. If you have somebody in your life who is hurting because of the racial issues in our country right now, listen. Or if anything else, if there's somebody who's hurting because of something else, just listen. And you don't necessarily have to agree with whatever they're saying, but you need to listen and you need to validate their feelings. In addition to parenting their boys and journeying through issues of race and privilege, they are asked a lot of questions, and God's grace equips them to answer with humility and wisdom. For instance, when someone asks them what a Christian should know about adoption, they have a pretty standard response. We tell everybody, we don't believe that God calls everyone to adopt because there are other ways to care for orphans here in our own country and all over the world. But I do think if you do feel like God is calling you to adoption, you just need to be aware that it's not going to be easy. Parenting, first of all, is not easy. But parenting an adopted child, there are different circumstances that are involved with that. And you kind of have to put on a tough skin. And if you're not going to be able to put on that tough skin and just kind of plow through some of the junk you're going to have to plow through, then it might be really challenging for you. But some questions they receive are more difficult to process. How do they answer the more probing questions about their sons? Just an example, last week we were in my hometown, which is a small town in Northeast Ohio, for my little sister's wedding. My little son, our youngest, our three-year-old, snuck out of the hotel room without us seeing him, and he got his fingers stuck in the door. So it was really bad. He had to go to the hospital, and so we rushed him to my hometown hospital. My husband took him back to triage, and I took care of the check-in process. And the receptionist at the check-in process said, now what would you call his race? And Mm -hmm. I thought, what would you call his race? Did you see him? Yeah. So there's things like that that we get asked often. We get asked really odd questions about their history and people wanting to know. And I think it's all well-intentioned. They want to know our son's stories. They want to know how they both became orphans in the first place. We have to be really firm with that and say, those are their stories. We protect them. We hold them inside of us. And when they're ready to share their stories, they will. Just because it could be harmful for us to just be sharing their stories everywhere. And then one day they wake up and say, well, we don't trust mom and dad with this information because we couldn't trust them with that. So there's just a lot of little things like that that I just wish people who are well-intentioned would stop and think, stop and think, these are kids. Would you want me coming up to your biological child asking you, what's the worst thing that's ever happened in her life? Yeah. They'll tell me about it. Despite the complicated, probing questions and the inability to understand the racial pressures their boys will experience, Renee has seen grace through her Christian brothers and sisters. The church helped raise the funds they needed to bring the boys home, and they provide a support group for adoptive families. She hopes that as adoption becomes even more prevalent, that children's ministries will begin educating and equipping their teams to walk alongside the adoptive parents as well and everything she's experienced and processed as they became the parents of Solomon and Malachi, Renee realizes she's not the same person she was before they started. I think that I didn't understand 
darkness before we adopted. I didn't understand that there were things going on in this world that were bigger than me. I thought that I understood it before we adopted, but I didn't until I saw it face to face and we went to Ethiopia and we saw all of these children who, because of legal red tape and just issues that they couldn't control would never find a family. They would always be on the street or they would always be in an orphanage. So I think my understanding of the world has changed. I think my compassion towards others has changed. I think a lot's changed. As her knowledge of the evil in the world grew, so did her comprehension of God's grace. But there's still doubt and struggle and a constant need to return to God's goodness. This is especially true now in her day-to-day life as the mom of her boys. When we're in the weeds of trauma and loss on a daily basis, I really doubt God frequently. I question Him. You know, I ask myself things like, why aren't my boys fully healed yet? And when is this going to be easier? Why did you sign us up for this, God? Is there not an easier way? But He always reminds me, whether through a song or a verse, that this is all temporary. And He always reveals to me that He's slowly redeeming the brokenness of my boys' lives. There's a verse that I often have to speak out loud, and that's 2 Corinthians 4, 17. It's the verse that says, For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. When I think of that verse, I remember that God is the architect and designer of my boys' lives. His timing and His plan are always perfect, even if I think the healing isn't coming fast enough. Through their adoptions and the realities of raising two boys with damaged hearts, Renee has realized with clarity and certainty that her efforts simply aren't enough. Her own strength will fail her over and over, but God's grace is absolutely greater than her weakness. You've been listening to Stories of Grace, a podcast from City on a Hill, produced by Dayton Cole and hosted by Carla Williams. Stories of Grace was inspired by Grace is Greater from pastor and author Kyle Eidelman. Find the book, video series, and a full line of resources from City on a Hill and Kyle Eidelman at gracesgreaterstudy.com. Next week on Stories of Grace. I come from a long line of alcohol abusers in my family. I don't say that as an excuse. I don't say that as a reason why I inherited the disease. It is what it is. 